This show may contain strong language and sexual content. If you're a minor looking for information or help without all the grown-up stuff, visit our website at mygayagendapodcast.com for resources. This episode contains discussion of trans erasure from public facilities and mention of penetration. Also, my side of the audio wasn't great due to a technical difficulty, so sorry about that. We'll make it better next time. It also contains discussions about the LGBTQIA community, but you probably figured that out already. It's right in the title. Monday, we're super gay. Tuesday is also gay. Wednesday is still pretty gay. And Thursday, I have a night class. Friday, we continue to be gay. Saturday is the gayest day. Sunday, yeah, it's still gay, but we also record a podcast. Hello and welcome to My Gay Agenda, an investigative podcast where we interview the queer community and plan our world domination. My name is Jen. My name is Christina and we are your co-conspirators in plotting whatever the heck cisgender straight people think that we're doing. Well, Christina, what's on the by schedule for today? I'll tell you. Uh, we're talking with our good friend Jared and then Jen is going to take us on a little sci-fi adventure. Yay. You heard it first, right now, as I say it. This is our sci-fi episode. And Jared's about to tell us why. Hello, Jared. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. A, just to be on your general talking to you. And also to be on the sci-fi episode. Yay. Can you tell us about you? Sure. I always blank on this. Um, and I knew it was coming because obviously you were going to ask me these questions. <laughs> it's, like those, <laughs> it's like those icebreakers in school where they're like, great, now you have to list a fact about yourself. And it's like, right. uh, there's no facts about myself how... that exist, actually. All right. Yeah. I'm many things. I'm primarily a writer. I published a graphic novel called The Battle of Blood and Ink that was illustrated by my good friend Steve Walker. I also write for the Quirk Books blog doing humor essays for them and podcast listeners may be familiar or interested to know that I do a podcast called The Voice of Free Planet X. I have been doing that off and on since 2006. So there's uh 200 episodes now. The last 25 of those 200 episodes are different than the previous 175 Ooh. in that they are a, uh, a fake interview show. So it's in the style of This American Life. But instead of interviewing regular people, I interview aliens and robots and uh, monsters. And I have a wonderful, I know a lot of actors, which has been wonderful for me, because then they uh, do this for me and pretend to be all these people, which has been fantastic. That sounds awesome. And I literally just downloaded two episodes and I'm going to listen to them later. So would it be <laughs> easier for you because you're used to interviewing fictional characters from speculative fiction? If Jen and I were to say that we're different, like if I was like, I'm a ghost now, would that be easier? Oh, I wish it would have been. But the fact is that I haven't written your lines. Oh, so that'll do it. <laughs> that's the um, kicker. That's the oh. beauty of doing a fake interview show is that I know what the other person is going to say because mm. I wrote it down. And then I can um, go with that and look at the script. Yeah. But my ghost would definitely be a loose cannon. Like, make yeah. no mistake of it. Uh, and we've had some of those. Like, there's been some improv episodes, which have been great. Ooh. But I've had to have a really uh, trusting relationship with the person. And it gets people nervous. Even though I tell them I'm going to edit out all the dumb stuff. They still prefer a script. 
And honestly, so do I. So it wouldn't help if you were ghosts because I don't have the script. <laughs> also, in my show, I find that it works best if the interviewee has all the best lines. Like if I give myself the best lines, it doesn't sound as good as when they have the best lines. So being the interviewee this time, I'm hoping to have the good lines for once. And <laughs> I'd hate for you to take that because you're ghosts. Fair enough. I'm sure you will have the best lines here for sure. So what, what draws you to sci-fi? Well, I'm just a big nerd. I mean, that's the main thing. And this is something that a lot, I'm sure is not unusual for a lot of queer folks, is that I like to escape. I like to escape a lot as a child. I was very much inside my own head. And I see, looking back, this is one of the uh, strange things, because in addition to being queer, I'm also trans. And it's very easy now to look back at my own history and see the times when I was disassociating or going into fantasy worlds were times when I think my gender was bothering me. And Mm -hmm. those are times in interactions with other boys and just other fraught situations that I didn't quite know how to process. And I didn't have the language or the ability at eight or even 12 or even in my 20s, quite frankly, because I, I came to this late by some standards. I didn't just didn't have the language or I didn't want to face the language. That was something that was definitely true in my later years. Uh, later years, as if I'm an old, old, old person. <laughs> Back in my Now that my I'm 126, 80s, right. I... It was this escape more than anything. And I just ate it all up. And I loved space adventures. I loved superheroes. I collected comic books. I still do. And uh, I'm, I'm, but now I make comic books, so it's easier to collect them if you make them yourself. <laughs> or, actually, no, that's not true. It's harder. It takes longer, but you're guaranteed a good story that way. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's not an uncommon story at all, like the attraction to speculative fiction like uh, sci-fi and fantasy. Being pulled to that as a queer person, both as like an escape mechanism and also just like from a creative standpoint and like role-playing games and things like that, it's nice Absolutely. to imagine a world where none of this shit is a problem. Yeah, mm. and especially superhero uh, comics, which not only have this kind of idealized gender norms, but also everything is mutable in superhero comics, especially bodies. People transform all the time, and some mm. characters, that's their whole thing, is transforming from mild-mannered person to superhero and so that element of transformation is definitely something that attracted me when I was younger before I even really like I said understood what I needed to do for my own transformations. Though ironically uh, there's also a lot of issues in sci-fi and fantasy where a lot of creators most of them like cisgender heterosexual who still think that their sci-fi or fantasy world has to have any of the attachments that exist in the real world like there's mm. no gay characters in their story and there's like like there's still racism <laughs> what if oh. there was a planet that was completely alien and different but still misogynist <laughs> It's amazing to me, and uh, this is something that I am ashamed to say that I did not realize until it was pointed out to me, is how rare it is to see in sci-fi black people in the future. Mm, Yeah. That is apparently very, like, and that's where this whole Afrofuturist movement has come from, and there's some great examples of that. But it's like something that you don't think about, or I didn't think about. I'm sure other people are better at this than I am. Uh, I didn't think about it until it was pointed out to me. And then it was like, this is the most glaring thing I've ever seen. Like, why is that so hard? And it's not even like people saying there's no positive black people in the future. It's that there's, there's none. none. 
nothing. And yeah. that is that is the biggest sign for me. Like before we even get to queer people, which I mean, how hard is that for some people for some strange reason? Honestly, but before we even get to that, it's like, does your sci-fi is it just white people? Because that's that's problematic right on the face. And then again, we have. I was on a panel once, and this is why I don't like to do panels with straight people, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say it. I'll just say it. True, um, true. Yeah, yeah. Where he was of the opinion that you didn't need to know a person's sexuality. Like, they could be queer and never say anything, and that still counted as a win. Mm-hmm. And Oh, the Dumbledore syndrome. It's a Dumbledore, exactly, uh, exactly. Space Dumbledore. And it, it doesn't count. And, uh, and then there's the questions like, why is that not gone into? Why can't you go into that? And that's something I do on the podcast explicitly uh, whenever there is a significant other mentioned I always make it queer. I always make it gay because it's assumed that if they're not talking about their significant other, that they're straight. Yeah. Um, And so every single time a person refers to their significant other, it is always a queer relationship because of that to stamp out a little bit of these side characters and be like, look, this is queer. All of this. And really, all the characters are queer. Let's just be honest. Yep. Let's just be honest here. It's the gay agenda. I can be honest here. You can be They're honest. They're all queer. Every single one. I don't. You may have identified with them, and that's great because you identified with a queer person, which probably means you're gay. Yep. Mm. If you're trying to get me to identify with straight people, then buckle up because you're about to identify <laughs> with my queer characters. Right. You're... And it's not hard. I like, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand why this is a stumbling block mm. for some people. And. Because, you know, and as I'm sure many a queer person will say, it's like, I identified with straight people all my life because that's what's up there. So yeah. you can identify with queer people. It's possible. You are really speaking to me as somebody who watches <laughs> uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine and points to each character and says, want to hear how they're gay? Want to hear how they're queer? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if the oh, show's I not love... going to do it, I'm going to. Uh, yeah, seriously. And I love DS9 so much. I think that's my favorite of the Star Treks, uh, though I haven't seen Discovery. So Please do. I, I, I will. I'm going to. Uh, they don't make it easy for you. So That's true. Um, that's true. CBS All Access is a garbage app. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for like a DVD release or something where I can just buy them all and then watch them at my leisure and I don't have to pay month for month because I have a small child. And I don't know how long it's going to take me to get through. It may take me a year to get through all, what is it, six episodes, mm. eight episodes? I am so remarkably out of my league right now. <laughs> oh, no. I'm pretty nerdy, gosh darn. I, I'm just so impossibly out of my league. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I'm used to it. I'm used to being nerdier than the people I talk to. Part of the reason I married my wife is that I wasn't nerdier than she was. She wow. probably tops me she's amazing i I assume that Uh, she bested you in some type of competition that turned into (laughs) some sort of like courting ritual name all of the star treks we were the last one standing in a dance contest and i I think she may have won that whoa uh so shifting to the queer part of this queer podcast um, yes yes (laughs) has it not been queer enough yet i'll try harder it can never be queer enough (laughs) I was about to say, that's the answer. It literally cannot be queer enough. But you had mentioned to me that you transitioned at the age of 36. Yes. I finally, as I like to express it, I was finally honest with myself and kind of let 
this part of who I am breathe. And I I'd buried it for so long for a variety of reasons. And then with the uh, upcoming birth of my daughter, I was like, I need to figure this out um, so I can be a present and whole parent. Mm. And if this is like, maybe it's just a, a fetish thing that I have. Maybe it's just something that needs to be explored once and then we put it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I need to know. And I talked to my therapist about it and she was great because she was like, well, you haven't done anything with it. So there's no way to know what it is. You need to experiment. Mm. And the result of that was that I figured out that I am trans. And so I started kind of living, living the trans life <laughs> <laughs> when I was 36. And then later, uh, right before my 37th birthday, like a month before I started medical transition with hormones. And that is, I think there's a, a concern in the trans community, especially people who are not teenagers, that they are too late. Mm-hmm. Um, that when they reach their 20s or their 30s, or even their 40s, that they can't for reasons, they can't transition. And that that's ridiculous. If there was one thing that I could burn out of people's heads is that, that you can start at any age whenever you finally feel that comfort level because so many people have difficulties acknowledging that and that's because of family relationships or jobs or whatever and I understand that not everyone can come out as trans immediately. But when you can, you should do it and you shouldn't let your age bother you. I think that in addition to everything you just said, I think that all, a lot of that also stems from the sort of born this way narrative that right. in order to be a valid queer, you have to have known your entire life and you can't have helped it because you were born this way. And it's just a part of who you are intrinsically as a person. So like you can never change as a person. Like you have to have felt the same way consistently and then once you in caps lock find yourself as a teenager (laughs) then that is the time that you realize who you are no no that's not everybody that's some people but it's not everybody even if you were one gender at some point and you genuinely were that gender Mm. it's not too late for something in your life to switch and like something in yourself to switch. And that's also absolutely valid. You don't have to have been born that way. Yeah, the born that way narrative is strange because on one hand, it's a really good political narrative. It's a really Mm -hmm. good way for us to talk about our rights in ways that the cishets can (laughs) understand and can't argue with. At that same time, it's not a narrative that applies to everyone. And there are people who identify as male and then partway through their life been like, I want to be female. Like, that's what I want. And that's not any less valid if that's how you come to it Mm. than feeling your entire life like maybe I should be, I'm not in the right gender that I was assigned. Like, if it takes you longer or you have a different journey than the standard narrative, because there is a standard trans narrative, and that's mm-hmm. someone who kind of tossed aside all gender-specific toys and activities. And a lot of this, too, has been, like, children's stuff has become more and more gendered as we, like, in the past 30 or 40 years. Like, shopping for baby toys now is so bizarre because it is so gendered. Mm-hmm. Um, oh and gosh. it's... I feel like it's much more gendered than when I was a child. And even then, that was more gendered than 30 years before that. So there's like this 
again, this need to separate children super hard into genders. And then from that, of course, there are going to be diehard trans kids who are like right from the get go Mm -hmm. that they know what something is wrong. But there's also going to be kids who don't know from the get go because they're kids and they need to have that life experience or they are in situations either culturally or in their family where that need got trampled and they kept it deep inside and it wasn't until years later that they're able to allow themselves to be who they are be who they maybe always been or maybe just who they've always wanted to be and it's weird because the narrative of you can be whoever you want to be is something that we have in america that's very powerful but it it can't for some reason apply to queer people or trans people yeah. uh, mm. because that breaks the explanation, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak for every queer person, but me personally, I'm pretty fucking tired of trying to make my identity digestible to cishet people. Oh, but there's just so many of them. It's, oh, they're everywhere. Like <laughs> nobody wants to talk about it, but they're taking over. Yeah. Uh, you can't go outside anymore. I know, and they're just sitting there making out in public, and it's yeah. like, ah, I don't want my child Starbucks to see that. Cups, like, everywhere. It's nauseating. Everywhere. It, if that's also, price, fine, but I can't say I am I'm, gung-ho. Let's be honest, the heterosexual lifestyle is so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> like, you must want something else. I don't know. I don't pretend to understand them. Uh, I just interviewed them for an April Fool's episode a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) That's it. That's your only interaction. (laughs) (laughs) You know, some of my best friends are cis people. Some of them, my best friends are heterosexual. I don't, I'm not biased against them, but they could cool it. (laughs) Yeah, they they could reel it in every every so often. Like, if I'm trying to go to the bathroom, I don't want them around me. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm fine with cis straight people. I just, um, the ones who are just, like, super unflamboyant, I just don't want them around me, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, what are they trying to prove? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of bathrooms, because this has sort of been a hot topic in my life for the past <sighs> couple of weeks, I don't really know why. Like, I've kept hearing about trans people in bathrooms again. Um, as if we have not worn out that subject as a collective society. Is that, is that something you've been up against? I I have not had any, I have not had any problems with it. And part of that is I live in a very trans-friendly neighborhood in a very trans-friendly city. So it's not, I get a couple of odd looks every now and then, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, uh, I've never had any problem. And the main reason for this is when people go to the bathroom, they are not checking out everyone else they're going Mm. to the bathroom because they have business they need to do yeah it's (laughs) like it's not to like let's take in everyone and make sure they all need to be here plus bathrooms have stalls um especially in a quote-unquote women's bathroom it's like right we're all in this stall for one purpose and it's to make our poops as quiet as possible so we can just get out of here um but i've also for a lot of this had a baby Mm. Um, and that is like a magic passkey to wherever you want to go <laughs> as far as bathroom. No one's going to fight you about having your baby in the women's bathroom. True. Because you have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so taking her into the bathroom, changing her in there. Uh, again, 
This is a great neighborhood and a great city I live in. There's many changing tables. So you're just going to be bringing her in there until like 17. You're like, I'm changing my I mean, my maybe. <laughs> Hopefully by that time, it will not be an issue. Very true. Um, but yeah, I've, it's been interesting just how also uh, feminizing having a baby is. Uh, having the baby there puts me in the role of mother. Obviously I am. Uh, yeah. But it's an unquestionable thing that like here is this uh, person dressed feminine, has a baby, must be the mom. Um, though I have had people ask me if I was the nanny. Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So much. So much. Also, an added element is my hair is now long enough that people don't question my gender identity. I don't... The hair length is such a weird thing. That, like, more than wearing a skirt, more than having physical attributes. Because I never had my gender questioned when I wore a wig. Even before I was on hormones. Like, if I had the wig on and it was long, everyone was like, yeah, must be a woman. <laughs> and the moment I stopped wearing wig because it got hot, uh, it was summer, uh, then there came questions and the weird looks. And now my natural hair is long again. And I think there's a lot more general acceptance. And I, I've heard anecdotally from trans men that a similar thing happens with a baseball cap. Uh, if you oh put on gosh, a baseball right. cap, that just reads as masculine no matter what the rest of your body does, which blows my mind uh, that it's so small. It's such a small thing. And so you could have someone with long hair go into the women's restroom uh, pretending as female, and it wouldn't be a problem because everyone's just going in there to pee. Um, (laughs) And you wouldn't notice. And similar, you have a trans man in a ball cap going into the men's room. No one cares. And it's that small thing. And then everyone makes this big deal about bodies being a certain way, especially trans people. Like we try not to, we try so hard, but I think 
Because I don't think anyone likes the idea of passing as the abstract. Yeah. We all like the idea of passing, but we don't like the idea of passing as an abstract thing. That shouldn't be something we're all trying to go for. We shouldn't be trying to look like cis people because even cis people don't look like cis people in a lot of yeah. ways. Amen. Yeah. It's like putting a Band-Aid on an amputated arm. Right. Passing is something that can help navigate the current world, but God, it should not have to. Right, yeah. absolutely. Like you should not have to pass in order for your pass being put in the biggest air quotes I could possibly communicate in an audio format. Um, I heard them, I heard them. <laughs> yes, but you should not have to do that in order to be recognized as the gender you are. Right, and it's so ridiculous that all it takes in passing is a baseball cap. It should be more than that if it's so important. But it's not. But it really, it isn't about people passing, obviously. Not wanting trans people in bathrooms, not wanting them in locker rooms, not wanting them in schools is all about denying people public spaces. It's about mm-hmm. making sure that trans people don't have a place in public. That's, mm. the, that's the whole goal. It's not about peeing next to someone whose gender you're not sure about because no one actually cares about that. It's certainly not about assault because that is unheard of. It's all about denying uh, trans people like myself presence in public and making people terrified and scared again to be out in public. And we've thankfully reached a point in our society where trans people like myself are no longer afraid to be out in public and we can be who we are. And that genie is not going to go back in the bottle. And no matter how much people try to deny us that space. Yeah, it, it seems it feels like the assumption is that if trans people are denied public spaces, then that means that all trans people are just going to go hide instead and stop being visible and stop being around. Well, it's a nah. dom- it's a domino effect. And I, I honestly believe that this is the attitude behind it that no one's going to say. But if you can deny a trans person one thing, then you can deny the rest of it. Um, yeah. And this is something that we see. We see all the time with people dealing with racial minorities. And <laughs> we're very fortunate in queer uh, culture that there's a bunch of white people there too. So <laughs> it's harder to do this because you don't want to infringe on the rights of white people. But we've seen that happen with people of racial minorities, of national nationalities, how denying them some small element in the public sphere then allows them us to deny them even larger elements and even more so and it's all a snowball effect and it's just you know it's not it's not the same as what black people have gone through in this country but it is very similar in that we are talking about separate bathrooms and uh that's not a coincidence all right so let's uh go to our favorite part of the show in which we correct a misgiving from the cishet community and address it once and for all so nobody ever has to hear it again. I thought that's what we've been doing this whole time. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but now it's a segment with a, with a well, not really a title. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing has been like, actually what we were just talking about, that, pra- that passing shouldn't matter, that your mm-hmm. perception of a person's ability to look like what you think a woman or a man should does not reduce their humanity, their gender, or anything. Like, you don't think they look like a woman. That doesn't matter. I would love for that to be something that 
is finally driven into people's heads that their personal opinion on other people's physical traits. And this is something that, you know, it's a problem for cis people too, but not the same way it is for trans people. What you think when you look at a trans person doesn't change who they are, doesn't make them less of a human being, doesn't make their desires, their needs, their life any less valid. And I would love for that to be just kind of embraced wholeheartedly by the cis community. But I mean, try telling a cis person their opinions don't matter and you'll just be there all day. (laughs) I've said it before on this podcast, I will say it again and somebody can etch it on my tombstone. Nobody can correctly identify somebody's gender based solely on appearance. It's true. It cannot be done. You cannot do it. It's true. And because so much of our gender is performative in Mm. the way you choose to dress. I was a bit of a dandy before uh, (laughs) transitioning. And I really thought a lot about clothes because it fascinated me, the messages that we send by dressing up. And I actually got a huge pushback with some people because I dared to say that Even just putting on jeans and a t-shirt is sending a message. It's saying that you are someone who would wear this and what that means and your desire to wear that has somewhat to do with comfort, but not a whole lot because a really nicely tailored suit also is very comfortable. So you are trying specifically to take this outfit, these work pants that you probably do not go coal mining in, (laughs) Uh, and this t-shirt that you are not wearing an overshirt and you're sending this message of like yes i am both relaxed but also have a certain blue collar working prestige even if your job is sitting in front of a computer all day like you are sending that message on purpose and this was a lot of pushback from um gentlemen who were like the whole point of me doing this is to not send a message i am specifically not sending a message but even in like trying to dress like you're not sending a message, you're sending a message. And yeah. I was so hard for people to get. And so there's so much that we do that's gender performative just without realizing it because it's been hammered into us. And uh, one of the things that's been fascinating as a trans person has been to pick and choose which elements of gender performativity do I like and which ones do I want to continue? Because I obviously don't need to have them all. Nobody does them all. Uh, Those people would look crazy. Uh, (laughs) But it's also been interesting to me how few you need to get the message across. And that's something that I would like to shout out to my fellow trans people is that uh, you don't need to do that many gender signifiers in order to be seen as you want to see. So... Just be aware of that. Um, it's one of those things where... You don't where have to be the encapsulation of women as a whole concept. Right. You know, and you're not, you don't have to look like a supermodel when you go out yep. of doors. You can just look like a person, yep. and that's just fine. Just look like you. Congrats. You're a woman. Hooray. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I would like to, to send that out, that message out to my fellow uh, trans and non-binary folks that you're doing just fine. Don't stress over it. Very few elements send the gender signals that you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just need to find the small handful of ones that you like, that fit you, that fit your personality. And it's okay to leave them all behind. And that's Mm -hmm. something that you see actually a lot in the trans community, which I love, is you see people who maybe have, in their early in their transition, 
doll themselves up, do a lot of makeup, do a lot of hair, do a lot of masculine performative things if they're trans Mm -hmm. men with the big heavy boots and wanting to have lots of uh, shirts and coats that hide their figure. And then as they go on their own personal journey, and some of this is hormone related, but some of this is also just finding out who they are, they kind of slide into a more casual more comfortable version of themselves. There's a lot of kind of a femme butch, butchy femme, butch, however you want to call it, trans women. And they're that way because they've been trans women for a few years now and they've kind of have a comfortable spot in their femininity, uh, in their femme identity. Uh, And the same way with trans men. And I think that's wonderful. I'm a bit of a clothes horse, so I'll probably be dolling myself up for a while but (laughs) not everyone is like me all right so what is on your gay agenda oh i would just i would just like acceptance that would be the coolest thing (laughs) which sounds so easy it sounds so easy but and it comes back to what we've been talking about this whole time is that like other people's opinions about whether you're doing things the right way don't matter like you are accepted for who you are, for what you are, for how you live your life. Uh, that's my that's my whole thing, and that's why all my stuff, all my fiction has queer characters in it because I want to push that normalization of queerness, of queerness of gender, queerness of sexuality, queerness of identity. Just push it all out there so that it's not a thing anymore. And hopefully it won't be. Like, I'm really hoping that by the time my daughter grows up that it will not be an issue anymore. Uh, It probably won't be, actually. Um, A friend of mine, they have a child who is, like, eight years old, nine years old, and told them that it's like, you know what? I'm going to be, I think I'm more comfortable in a non-binary gender identity. Please refer to me as they. (laughs) And it was like, that is amazing to kind of have that conception so young and also feel comfortable at so young saying that to her parents, their parents. Oh my God, I'm the worst. If you you see like a very small red dot floating, like soaring up, up into the sky, that's my heart shooting straight to the moon. I know, it's so great. And I've seen (laughs) other kids... Like, it's a small group, but it's the other kids who have been like, no, I am, gender is not as I have been um, assigned. It really speaks to the access to knowledge and language that we have today. Absolutely. I, mean, I didn't even know that non-binary was an option until Christ forever, I right. think. And it's so great. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I love that they're doing that. I love that they felt comfortable with that and I love that that's an identity that they're moving forward with um and it so it gives me hope that for my child if that's not how she is because we are we have assigned her female at birth and we are aware of that but we're okay going back on that if things change (laughs) but if right if she turns out to be a cis person yeah odds are probably but if so um I'll know that she will probably grow up surrounded by people who do not prescribed to the strict gender binary and that's wonderful um so like kids are all right is i guess what i'm saying and i have hope for the future (laughs) and but until we reach that point still gonna keep with my gay agenda of like hammering in acceptance heck yeah heck yeah all right jen can you take us away to games land that's not the title of this we don't (laughs) think we have a title 
I have a game here where I looked up real titles of old sci-fi pulp novels. Oh, wonderful. And maybe, maybe you've perchance read one, but we want you to take the title and make up a summary for a new queer story to go with that title. This is a great game. The game is called Sci-Fi, But Make It Gay, and then in parentheses, Bi-Fi? Close parentheses. (laughs) That is wonderful. That's a great title. All right. Are you ready for your first title? I am ready. I was I was born ready. <laughs> you were born this way. <laughs> yes. For this game, yes. I've been training my whole life. Is what I guess I mean to say. All right. The first the first title. Please explain the queer queer story of Sign of the Labrys. <laughs> <laughs> the Labrys. I'm going to double check that I pronounced that correctly, but yes. Could you spell it for me? L-A-B-R-Y-S. Of course. And if you need a quick little explanation of what that is, I believe Jen has one. Uh, no, no. Let me, before you tell me what it is, let me riff on it. And then oh, we'll, please, yes. Then we'll find out what it is and see how close I got, because I do not it know what it is, but I love the sound of it. Um, obviously, the sign of the Labrys is about a... American who goes to, let's say, Eastern Europe. And it's kind of a werewolf story, but instead of turning into a werewolf, he finds a whole community of people who uh, turn into women under the sign of the Labrys. (laughs) (laughs) Under the light of the full moon, perhaps? Let's say yes. Because the moon is a lesbian, go on. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah. Sometimes your girlfriend turns into the moon, and that's tough. Oh, True. It's a um, Poor Sokka. Right. So, yeah. So, he finds himself infected with the sign of the labyrinth, and then must join this wicked cult of transgender mystical individuals. All right. I'm so into I it. I love it. I would like to read this novel and or watch the movie adaptation. It would have to be... Well, see, the thing is, this would have to be adapted, like, in the 60s by, like, Hammer or something. And it have to yes. be really cheesy and crappy to truly live up to the vision in my head. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, all signs point to it being pronounced Labrys. The Labrys is an ancient, like, Grecian axe that was held by one of the gods, but... The reason it's so fun to have in a game on my gay agenda is that the Labrys has been adopted as a symbol for lesbians. Oh, I knew it without knowing it. I'm so yes, good. Yes, you were very, very spot on. All right, are you ready for your next story? I am. The title is Tunnel in the Sky. <laughs> oh. Give me your elevator pitch on Tunnel in the, the Sky. Tunnel Whisk in the us sky. away into a scientific fictional future. Sure. Um... <laughs> Well, that is clearly about a uh, astronaut who is drawn spiritually a deep physical need to penetrate this tunnel in the sky <laughs> from behind and just do it again and again, and it torments him. Um, and the only way he can relieve this torment is both by having gay sex and then also flying into the tunnel in the sky. In that order. Yes, well, I mean... As a child, he sat in his classroom and just looked up into space and whispered, I'm going to fuck the sky. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ideally, he would then have gay sex while fucking the sky. A combination of all that. Hell yeah. Speaking of that, I think that is an excellent segue into this next title. 
The next title is Hot House. Okay. That's, That's it. it. It's just, That's just it. Hot House. Hot House. A house that is hot. A house that is hot. Well, this is obviously a roadhouse where the clientele is exclusively lesbian biker gangs. Um, and uh, some uh, well-meaning hitchhiker, fresh off the boat, uh, finds herself deep within the uh, clutches um, and not unhappily among these lesbian biker gangs at the hot house. Can I make a request? Yeah. Can this one also be a rock opera? I don't see why not. Because I think we just figured out my ideal movie. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, you just perfectly captured just Jen's overall aesthetic. So congratulations. I do what I can. (laughs) I am a professional, so uh, I'm... Absolutely. All right, let's see if you can capture my aesthetic with this next title. All right, all right, let's see. All right, this title is A Princess of Mars. Oh, uh, well, this is great, one, because this is uh, the classic uh, John Carter, Warlord of Mars opener, but we not need to be concerned with that. Um, <laughs> yep, we don't have to worry about that thing I totally know about and have ever heard of in my whole life. It's an interesting series, very much of its time, but that's, uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about but gay stuff. But now it's your time. Exactly. I would say that a Princess of Mars is where a young, gender non-specific space person, uh, Raygun at the ready, uh, is exploring Mars and finds the titular princess, rescues them from some dastardly scheme involving lots of buckle and swash, and uh, ends up making out with them by the end. I feel like Heck yeah. having a title like Princess of Mars just screams for a non-binary lead. Can I just say that you got it exactly right? Yes! <laughs> Hole in one, you did it. Thanks for writing each of us a personalized story. <laughs> You're very We've welcome. We met maybe an hour ago, and you right. know me. I have one more title for you. Let's, let's dig in. Uh, and I just, just a reminder. A yeah, just a reminder that all of these are real-life, published sci-fi pulp novels. Yes. Keeping that in mind, the final title is The Adventures of the Stainless Steel Rat. Oh, this is another classic um, about space espionage. But again, no need to bother ourselves with with what has come before. Um, (laughs) So The Adventures of the Stainless Steel Rat. Well, that's clearly the name of a spaceship, wouldn't you say? I would say. And so it's about the entirely gay and entirely genderqueer crew. Uh, not a cishet in sight as they take mm. their ship, the stainless steel rat, through the cosmos where everybody's gay. Yes. The, the Star end. Trek we deserve. <laughs> yeah. Like, the just only flip ship it. I want to be on. Right? Seems nice, <laughs> doesn't it? And like, I guess there's pirates. Let's say there's space pirates. That's always yeah. fun. I think, that title, I think that title calls for some space pirates, to Absolutely. be certain. Absolutely. Anything that starts with the adventures of blank has to have Need to have space some space pirates. pirates, yeah. That's why Huckleberry Finn famously <laughs> fought a bunch of pirates. <laughs> I guess you got me there. <laughs> all right. Oh, this, these all, um, if anybody out there is a writer, an artist of any type, I demand these tales. Oh, I would love to see some fake covers if anybody wants to do these. That would be so great. Please, somebody just write Hot House, (laughs) the lesbian biker rock opera for me. 
It's cool. I, I, d- I do not hold the copyright on any of these ideas. I give them to the world. They are free uh, for people to uh, take and go with. Excellent. Well, thank you so, so much for talking with us. Uh, do you have anything that you'd like to plug? <sighs> so much. I, Besides I, the tunnel in the sky. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yes, I do a webcomic for Quirk Books called uh, Frankenstein's Support Group for Misunderstood Monsters that I think your listeners will definitely love to check out so that's at the quirk books blog i uh, also do a lot of humor pieces there that they i'm sure they will enjoy if you've laughed at anything i've said today you will probably like that there's my podcast the voice of free planet x which you can find at planetx.libsyn.com which has 25 episodes of deliriously wonderful fake interviews and then many many more of various formats all with a sci-fi bent all with my particular sense of humor though i do think that the new stuff is the best and i would definitely recommend you listen to that also just uh really just go to jaredaxrod.com that's good all the important stuff uh and with all the good links because i'm all about them good links and uh (laughs) you can uh find out more about me and the various things i do but those those two are the big ones. I just want you to know that as you were describing all of that, I did look up Frankenstein's support group for misunderstood monsters and saved it to my favorites because that sounds extraordinarily up my alley. Oh, it's <laughs> it's so much fun. Uh, I write and draw it, uh, which may have been a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a really specific visual that I wanted these characters to have, so I, I didn't trust someone else to do it. But it's been really great to both kind of explore these monstrous characters at face value and take what they offer in a realistic method. And so talk about how Baba Yaga says that the housing market right now is such that there's no way she could put her (laughs) chicken leg house somewhere if she didn't already have a plot and (laughs) things like that. But also kind of dig into what these characters mean, what they were originally intended to make us afraid of, and kind of wrench that out and play with it and toy with it. And that's been a lot of fun. That sounds delightful. I'm super excited to read it. As always, if you think I'm kind of sort of funny, you can find me at Twitter at underscore glitter goblin underscore. And I'll, I link to my other things on there occasionally. I'm not, <laughs> not going to sit here and be like, and if you want to find me on Instagram, another version of Glitter Goblin. Uh. <laughs> and as usual, you can find my Gay Agenda podcast on iTunes, which if you're on iTunes right now, please give us a rate and subscribe to us. And a review, perhaps. Yes. Recommend us to some friends, maybe. Yes. <laughs> and we can be found on Facebook at My Gay Agenda, an investigative podcast, and on Twitter at GayAgendaCast. And until next time, put this on your gay agenda. Fight the power. Love yourself. Make that phone call you've been putting off. Ugh, mine's to a doctor. Oh, mine's to my health care. <laughs> and that's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. We just want to exist. Hmm.